Welcome to you today. We're excited and delighted to have you here. We're excited to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have a great and an awesome God. And today he wants to meet with us. And he wants to rule and reign in our hearts and lives. Today, as many of you know, Brian and Elena. Elena in the middle. Brother Brian over there. Uh, it became part of our faith family several months back. They moved here new to our city. And we're excited to have Elena and her group that she was singing with, and um, they're going to be leading us in worship today with the help of some of our musicians, so we are excited to have them. That's it. And uh, we're a mixed-up family here this morning. We have uh, Roll Tide fans, State fans, LSU fans, but uh, I'll tell you this. I'm glad that we're all a fan of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I am glad today that he crosses all boundaries, barriers. And he is above all, in all, and through all. Can I get a witness this morning? Amen. Let's stand to our feet and worship him. If you're visiting with us, we have one prerequisite. Is that you take all your expectations of church and set them to the side and have fun. Amen. We want you to have a good time. Praise the Lord. If you don't clap at your church, it's okay. You can clap today. We won't tell them. Amen. Let's have a good time in the Lord and worship him. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's, let's, we're going to roll. We're going to jump this morning. We're going to have fun. All right, let's go.
praise in the house of the Lord today. Amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Do we not have something to rejoice about today? The King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. What God has done in our hearts and our lives is absolutely incomprehensible. You know, he said, who can comprehend the depth and the width and the height of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? I'm going to tell you today, this world that we live in, a lot of times it just drains us. It pulls us down. It is overwhelming the things that we have to deal with. But I'm going to tell you today is the opportunity to rejoice in the Lord for what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. Can you pray with me about that today? Father God, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. I thank you that, Father, oh, how great a love you have for us. And God, I pray today that we will let go. Let go of our expectations. Let go of our expectations that we came here looking for something. And God, if we don't get anything today, that we just worship you for who you are, God. Let go of our checklist. Let go of our, our, our lengthy, oh God, the things that just hold us back. And just throw our hands in the air and say, Lord, today, I, I'm not here to, to get, Lord, I'm here to give you worship. I'm here to give you the praise. I'm here to rejoice. I'm here to, to, to shout, Lord, the praises of Zion. Lord, I pray today that we can let go of that, Father. Lord, I pray that we let go of our preconceived ideas of church and religion. And we can just take that off and take our name tag off and set it to the side. And for these next few moments... Just let you speak to us. Not through the filter of our parents. Not through the filter of our spouses. Not through the filter, Lord, of, of uh, denomination, affiliation, Lord. But, Lord, Lord, not through any filter. But, God, straight from the throne of heaven, Lord. God, help us to let go of all that. That we can meet with you today a holy God. And that our lives would be different as a result of being here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Worship with us this morning, church.
to know that we have an everlasting God right now. I want to show you this video clip. Uh, Thursday will mark 40 days until our uh, presidential election. I'm sure everybody here is exhausted from presidential elections and politics. Uh, you know, today, many kings have come to the authority. Many kings have sat in control and have done great things, many horrific things. But on Thursday, I want to encourage you to take a 40-day challenge and pray for the next 40 days. And our prayer is going to be simple. We have these uh, cords we want to send you home with. 40 days of prayer, Max Licato has put this out simply says, Lord, unite us, strengthen us, appoint and anoint. Heavy on the anoint. Because I'll just be honest with you, don't get mad at me. I don't, I don't really line up with either one of the guys. But my God does. And I just want us to pray for God's anointing to be on his life. I want you to watch this video clip before we pray for this this morning. someone asked me whether I was aware of all the people out there who were praying for the president. And I had to say, yes, I am. I felt it. I believe in intercessionary prayer. But I couldn't help but say to that questioner after, sometimes when he was praying, he got a busy signal. It was just me in there ahead of him. <laughs> I think I understand how Abraham Lincoln felt when he said, I have been driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. Now I realize it's fashionable in some circles to believe that no one in government should encourage others to read the Bible. That we're, we're told that we'll violate the constitutional separation of church and state established by the founding fathers in the First Amendment. The First Amendment was not written to protect people and their laws from religious values. It was written to protect those values from government tyranny. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? 
no matter where we live, we have a promise that can make all the difference. A promise from Jesus to soothe our sorrows, heal our hearts, and drive away our fears. He promised there will never be a dark night that does not end. Our weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. He promised if our hearts are true, his love will be as sure as sunlight. And by dying for us, Jesus showed how far our love should be ready to go. All the way. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We all can Americans yearn to explore life's deepest truths and to say their entertainment or their idea of entertainment is sex and violence and crime is an insult to their goodness and intelligence. We are people who believe love can triumph over hate, creativity over destruction, and hope over despair. And that's why so many millions hunger for God's good news. I've always believed that we were each of us put here for a reason, that there, there is a plan, somehow a divine plan for all of us. And I know now that whatever days are left to me belong to him. I also believe this blessed land was set apart in a very special way. Our forebears came not for gold, but mainly in search of God and the freedom to worship in their own way. We've been a free people living under the law with faith in our maker and in our future. I've said before that the most sublime picture in American history is of George Washington on his knees in the snow at Valley Forge. That image personifies a people who know that it's not enough to depend on our own courage and goodness. We must also seek help from God, our Father and Preserver. We'll never find every answer, solve every problem, or heal every wound. But we can do a lot if we walk together down that one path that we know provides real hope. The morality and values such faith implies are deeply embedded in our national character. Our country embraces those principles by design and we abandon them at our peril. My experience in this office I hold has only deepened a belief I've held for many years. Within the covers of that single book, are all the answers to all the problems that face us today if we'd only read and believe. This, this morning you may be saying, why did you so show that? Because my heart was gripped this week when our pastor in a third world country emailed that to me and said, Pastor, I'm praying for y'all. You're in deep trouble. You need God to intervene. You know why he sent that? Because for those guys, America has always been the beacon of hope. And the whole world sees the situation that we find ourselves in as a country. And you know what? A new president's not the answer. A new Congress, we've seen that. We threw the old guys out last time, got a bunch of new, and it seems like every time they do that, their approval rate plummets. We just need an intervention of a holy God. It doesn't matter who he is 
or where he's from, is that the anointing of God would rest upon his life. The Bible says this, the heart of the king is in his hand, and he can turn it whichever way he wishes. Today, Thursday, would you join us in taking the 40-day challenge, the 40-day time of prayer, every day to pray often throughout that day. God, unite us. God, strengthen us. God, appoint and anoint our next leaders for your namesake. I believe that God will move. If you're willing to take that challenge, I would encourage you to become part of the bigger challenge, to go online, Max Licato, many of you are familiar with him, 40 days of challenge, and, and uh, sign the online form. It says, I'm praying, I'm doing this. And uh, be part of a nationwide movement that come together across racial, denominational lines, uh, political lines, and say, God, we need you. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged because we serve an everlasting God. We serve an everlasting God. Here's what Napoleon said. He said, I can conquer the world if it wasn't for that red dot. And he pointed towards England. Satan also said, I could have conquered the world if it wasn't for that red dot. And he pointed to Calvary. Every person has their demise. Men come, men go. But we serve a God who is everlasting. Can I just tell you today, it's not important. It's not all that important to remember who's who's in control of governments, it's who's on the throne. And we serve an everlasting God who is on the throne. Ladies, let's sing a little bit more of that chorus. Can we do that? Jump in on that. Let's pray. Sing this with all of our hearts. Say, God, I know I serve an everlasting God. I know that I serve an awesome God. If you'd like one of these prayer cards, be sure and see us before service is over.
I just wonder if you just bow your head where you are as she just played softly. Maybe you're here today and you just need God's power and His presence in your life. He loves you. He cares for you. Today, we just want to pray for people that you love, people that you care for, people that need a mighty hand of God in their life. I wonder if there's somebody today that just wants to call a name out while God's presence is here. Call their name out in the midst of the assembly and say, that person needs God's intervention. Just their first name, you just want to call that out. Pray for God's power to move in that situation. Jordan and Christy, Jerry, Terry, Shannon, Jimmy, Jimmy, Chris, somebody else, Sonny, Angelique, somebody else, Adam. Somebody else. Okay. Somebody else. Lauren. The Bible says in Matthew 18 and 19, if two of us would agree on it, any matter, we begin to touch Jesus, he'd hear our prayers and begin to answer them. Would you look at the person next to you and say, will you agree with me? It is agreed upon. Let's believe God for the impossible. Let's believe God for the supernatural. Father, you heard these names that were called out. Your word says that your house should be called a house of prayer. And in your presence, we call out every name that was mentioned. Lord, that name needs you to move. And God, I'm not asking you, Lord, to... I'm just asking you to be, be their gentle father. And they'd feel your arms around them. And they would know that you're there. thank you Lord that sometimes it seems when we look through the physical eyes that we're losing the battle we look over our cities Lord it seems like our cities are, are, are coming undone at the seams Lord but I am so thankful that above what's in the natural you're the supernatural and you hold all things together and your word says by you all things exist We, be, we, we beg you for that power. We beg you for that mercy in the lives of these people, in the homes that were mentioned in our city. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.
something to get excited about. Praise the Lord. Thank you, ladies. Woo. And men. Yes. Hallelujah. I like to say that's good stuff. Amen. If you're uh, visiting with us, children that are from the eight grades five and down can go out at this time for our children's service. And uh, there will be somebody to meet them in the back. And uh, thank you all ladies for leading us in worship this morning. Amen. Good stuff. Good stuff. You having fun yet? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Church is supposed to be fun. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> if you have your Bible, <clears throat> if you'll take it and turn with me to the uh, book of Matthew. The book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 10, we're going to look at an interesting passage of scripture that you have probably grappled with for quite some time. It's a struggle when we read it and we begin to say, Lord, what exactly are you saying? Last week we kicked, kicked off our new sermon series um, dealing with the family and last week we looked at what it meant to be part of a family. We looked at what it meant to have a heritage, what it meant to leave a legacy. And uh, you remember we had our flowers. Uh, and in the midst of these flowers was the fake flowers. And we talked about how in the midst of life is death. And we have to decide which family we're going to be part of. You know, Jesus told the Pharisees in that passage of Scripture in John 8, he said, if... Uh, 
Abraham was your dad, then why don't you do what Abraham did? Why don't you live like Abraham lived? And uh, those of you who have children know that they have their own will and their own nature, their own desires. So good luck with that. And it's because we all are born in a world with no hope. In a world, we're surrounded by death. But in the midst of death, we're surrounded by life. That's Jesus Christ. And so last year, we, uh, we, we normally don't do flowers here. So last week, we looked at that. And today, we have them separated. We have the real ones over here to the left. And we're not trying to impress anybody with them. I think for six bucks, we got those. And uh, over here, we have the fake ones artificial you can pull them out they'll live anywhere amen <clears throat> people with brown thumbs buy artificial flowers but your spiritual life should not be artificial it should not be fake it should not be phony and this passage of scripture is interesting and turn with me if you would if you found your place in matthew chapter 10 the whole book of Matthew, a uh, chapter of Matthew chapter 10 is a difficult. It's the commissioning chapter. Jesus commissions the disciples, sends them out. He says, I don't want you to go to Samaria. I don't want you to go to the Gentiles. Why? Because he didn't love them? No, we know that's not the truth because a little bit later on, Jesus says, I, Jesus, must need go to Samaria. And we know that he sent people to the Gentiles. But this was his ministry strategy. To start at home first. That's why he says in Acts 1.8, you should be my witnesses in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the other most parts of the earth. What's interesting about church is it's not very hard to raise money to do the mission overseas. We, we love sending money as long as it's out there. But boy, it's hard to raise the same amount of funds to do ministry around the corner. Of which I'm very proud of you. Update on our ministry out back in the um, Enterprise Park. It was supposed to be our children's ministry was supposed to have moved back on campus this week, um, but it will be out there again this week. You know why? Because every Wednesday, new people are coming, new children are coming, new parents are coming, and lives are being changed. And there's somebody in this building that God's speaking to to go back there. When the children come here because of the weather, there's somebody that God's speaking to to go begin to do Bible study with those adults back there. Amen. Now, don't look to the right or the left. It may be right in the middle. I don't know, but God doesn't raise up a need that he hadn't already provided for. And so while that need's rising, the good news is that it's already met. The bad news is it may be you. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and so in this passage of Scripture, he sends the 12 out. And he tells them, he gives them a lecture on what to do, and, and he talks to them about be wise as serpents, be harmless as doves. And in this passage of scripture, we're going to pick up reading this morning in verse 26. Therefore, don't be afraid. He's telling them, don't be afraid when you go out there and the world hates you and they persecute you and they do all these things. Don't be afraid of them since there is nothing covered that will not be uncovered and nothing hidden that won't be made known what i tell you in the dark i will speak in the light what you hear in the whisper i'll proclaim from the housetops don't fear those who kill the body but are able but not able to kill the soul but i'll tell you who to fear fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell and if you're visiting with us 
Don't check out on me. If you said, I know if I go to that church, that preacher's going to preach hell, fire, and brimstone. There's the word hell. It just is what it is. I didn't say it. Jesus did. Amen? He says, that's who you should fear. We should, uh, Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them falls on the ground without the Father's consent? But even the hairs of your head have been counted. You remember we talked about that last, last week? God knows how many hairs are on your head, the ones that are yours and the ones that you bought. He knows how many you have up there. He's got them all in place. He's counted the hairs on your head. Do not be afraid. Aren't you more worthy than a sparrow? Can I get an amen? Can Jesus get an amen? I mean, I'm just saying what he said. Aren't you more worthy than a sparrow? Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm more worthy than a sparrow. Amen. Amen. I'm more worthy than a sparrow. I mean, I draw a star by that. When the devil comes knocking at your door and says, you're good for nothing, you've messed up too much, you've been this way too long, there's no hope for you, I mean, pull out this highlighted passage right here and say, let me tell you something, buddy, I'm more worthy than a sparrow. Therefore, well, those therefores in the Bible will mess you up. Therefore, everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I'll deny him before my Father in heaven. Don't assume that I came to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. And let's stop right there. I mean, last week we had church. I mean, last week we had lives changed. Last week we had people that gave their heart to the Lord. We gave a simple invitation. Just said, you know, you know what? I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to twist your arm. I'm not going to manipulate you to get here. You know if you need to do business with God. If you do, get up and come down. And boy, Brother Allen, I was like, nobody's going to come. And woo, I mean, here they come. Praise the Lord. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you can't hardly resist it. If I can talk you into it, the devil can talk you out of it before you get out of the parking lot. Amen. That's called buyer's remorse. When you have ministerial manipulation. So here we have it. Now here's a part that's really difficult for us to understand. I mean, Jesus just says this. It's in red ink. Everybody see the red? It's in red. He says, I just want you guys to know I didn't come here to bring peace. But I come to bring a sword. And we're like, yeah! Yeah, bring a sword. That's what we've been waiting on. Somebody to get, get even with Rome. He says, I came to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. <clears throat> Is it just me or that's hard to swallow? And the person who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The person who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. But whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me anyone finding his life will lose it and anyone losing his life for me will find it and the one who welcomes you welcomes me and the one who welcomes me welcomes him who sent me can you say amen now here's a couple of things i want you to take away from this i, I i'm gonna be honest i grappled with this scripture for a long time pastor matt and, and let me just back up and be honest again I have, been, I have been mulling over this sermon since before I went to Peru several, what, several months back. So if I just have a preaching fit, just hang on, I'll be back. Amen? 
So well, the thing I want you to understand, I have been struggling with this verse because you're like, man, Jesus said, I'm going to hate my mom, I'm going to hate my dad, I'm going to do all these things. He come to divide my own household. What kind of God is this? What kind of God is it that would bring a sword to moms and dads, brothers and sisters, daughter-in-laws and mother-in-laws, son-in-laws and mother-in-laws? And it's like very difficult, and we grapple with that. But you know what Jesus was saying? He's not saying, I don't like your family, so I'm coming to just really mess it up. What he is saying is, I am coming to bring lordship. Lordship. And what is lordship? Well, that's interesting because lordship is someone who places himself under the authority or the dominion of another person. And what Jesus says, he's commissioning these guys. He says, guys, I want you to go out there and make disciples. I don't want you to go out there and see how many you can get on the church roll. I don't want you to go out there and see how many you can get to do this or get to do that. I want to know how many will take up their cross and follow me. I want to know how many in the public square will say, I am unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and I am willing to confess him before men. As I say many times, our relationship with Jesus Christ was not a shotgun wedding. He didn't put a gun to your head and say, you have to serve me. No, it's a willing marriage. But get this, get this, lean in. What Jesus was saying is that when you place yourself under the authority of the banner of the cross, under the grace of the cross, under the mercy of the cross, under the love of the cross, here's what happens. What you are doing is you're yielding yourself to the lordship of Jesus Christ and under the banner of the lordship, it messes up some human relationships. Now let me tell you something today. Jesus was calling these boys and girls, men and women, to leave Judaism, to forsake everything they knew of the past. Why? Because he come to do away with it? No, sir, no, ma'am. Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law, but I come to fulfill it. And Jesus says, boys, that chapter is closed. I'm going to close that chapter on the cross of Calvary. What I am looking for is somebody who is willing to take up their cross and follow me. Take up their cross and follow me. And what that meant was they had to be willing to follow something new. Now, I remember for quite some time ago whenever I was uh, doing some online classes, uh, being the great procrastinator that I am, was cranking out this paper at the last minute. Anybody ever done that besides me? It's funny how, funny how writer's block leaves when you're under the crunch, huh? And man, I was cranking this thing out, and I had a, uh, I went to send my paper off, and it had this uh, notice that came up that said, um, I can't send your email, tell Microsoft, or something like that. And I'm so mad, I'm like, I don't want to tell Microsoft, I want my email to go out. So anyway, things transpired, and I ended up reporting it to Microsoft, and the person that was helping me with that was like, they were talking to this guy on the telephone, trying to make it work, and, and uh, about that time I heard the other person say, well, what kind of information do you want about Jesus? And I'm like, Jesus? What are they talking about? 
The short story is, at that time, my email was Pastor Brad. And when he saw Pastor, he started asking them about information. Long story short, I ended up leading this guy named Sunil in India to Christ and began a discipleship process over the next six months. Now, can I just say something? I guess I can. I'm preaching. I wasn't in the right mindset to lead somebody to Jesus at that particular moment. But God said, just wait, and I want to show you something. And over that course of time, Sunil could never tell his family that he had received Jesus Christ. Because he was a Hindu. And if he told them that he was a Hindu and he had accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, his wife could have excommunicated him, took his children away from him, and never allowed him to see those kids again. And so, man, we go through this process back and forth, back and forth, discipleship online. I mean, Will, that'll scare you to death, man. Six years ago, I was discipling somebody online. Amen. And so this whole thing's taking place. And finally, finally this process begins to happen. And we begin to lead this other woman to Christ. He says, I need you to talk to this woman It works with me. You know what her job was? Her parents had took her to the temple and dedicated her to the temple priest of the Hindu religion. And her sole opportunity in her religion was that any time the priest wanted to have sex with her, they could have sex with her. And she was messed up, and, and Sunil was like, she began to pull stuff out of Sunil. You know why? Because she saw something different in Sunil. And Sunil was like, I don't know if she's for real. I don't know if she's trying to uncover me. I don't know if she's trying to, to get me in trouble. I don't know what to do. And finally, finally, I remember this is funny. Let me tell you something funny. I, I remember he, he, I was trying to understand what she did in the, the, uh, um, the, the Hindu religion. I was like, is she a stripper? And he was like, stripper? What stripper? And so we go through this whole thing about stripping. And like, I'm like, does she take her clothes off? And he's like, yes, she does. Anyway. And finally, he ended up leading her to Jesus Christ. And I said, you know what, Sunil? I'm going to start praying for you. You can have a conversation with your wife. He starts having a conversation with his wife about two months later. You know what she says? Oh, my goodness. I gave my heart to Jesus when I was in college some four or five years ago. And I never followed him because I was scared I would lose everything I had. And you know what happened? She began to follow Jesus Christ. He began to follow Jesus Christ. They led her mother-in-law, to his mother-in-law to Jesus Christ. And you know what happened some four or five months later? Sunil quit his job at Microsoft and went to work in the underground church winning men and women, boys and girls, at Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you something today. It costs people something to follow Christ in other countries. We're so apathetic and we say, oh man, I don't know if I want to serve Jesus. There's hypocrites at that church. Man, can you believe they live one way and do another thing? And man, I would go to church, but you know so-and-so goes there. We're back and forth and back and forth. And we're Mickey Mousing around with our hardships. And there are people who are giving it all to follow Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus is talking about. He was talking about people like Sunil who said, if you follow Jesus Christ, it's going to bring a sword. It's going to mess up your good little perfect Judaism life when you go home and you tell mom and dad, I have given my heart to Jesus Christ. It goes even further than that. My dad had some parents in this city who were Orthodox Jews. 
And their son, their son married somebody and gave his heart to Jesus Christ who was not of the Orthodox lineage. And you know what happened? They had a funeral for that dude. He died to them. It messes up some lives for some people when you give your heart to Jesus Christ. Let's get a little closer to home if we can. He said, man, that's big stuff, Pastor. And what Jesus is saying is, if you're going to give your heart to, to me, don't you be afraid that when you go home to your natural family, if it messes up their psyche, when you leave their faith of the family. He said, man, I, I can't believe somebody would do that. That's crazy, is it? Well, let's think about that in the Western culture. I mean, come on, guys. Finds you a good little Baptist girl that grew up going to Sunday school her whole life and go home and tell mom and dad that she's joining somebody, that she's marrying somebody from the United Pentecostal Church. I mean, that dad's going to start wringing his hands. He's going to start saying, oh, my goodness. I mean, come on, let, let that little boy say, I'm going to go and, and a little good little, that good little Church of Christ boy say, I'm going to go and marry me a good little girl out of, out of a non-denominational church. Oh, my goodness. The people who were once your strongest supporters then become your greatest force to be reckoned with. What are you thinking? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? We can't even unify under the banner of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, much less other religions. I mean, we run around strutting our stuff thinking we have preeminence in the religion that we grew up in. You know what has preeminence? The cross. The cross. The cross is the thing of preeminence. It's the thing that makes the difference. Not where you grew up. Not what spiritual language you speak. Not what uh, Christianese you speak. But it's the blood that makes the difference. It's the cross that makes the difference. It's the lordship that makes the difference. We have a lot of people that go to church every Sunday. You want to know where hypocrites come from? They, it's people that go to church every Sunday. And what they have is their good little old fake flowers over here. And they run over here and take their fake flowers and mix them in the midst of the live stuff. And they run around and they act like they're Christians and they speak Christian language. They know when to sing. They know when to stand up. They know when to say amen. They know when to make s'mores bars. They know when to go on you trips. They know when to go to the women's prayer meeting. They know when to do all of these things but they don't know when to surrender to the lordship of jesus christ you cannot be a born again blood-bought believer in the natural flesh it's impossible where do hypocrites come from i'll tell you they come from people who profess to be one thing but they're really something else i mean don't be mad at somebody if they're living a hypocritical lifestyle they're just doing what they do in the natural there has to be that transformation. I'm going to tell you today, the cross makes the difference. And Jesus says, guys, I'm going to tell you before you go out, it's going to mess up some people's lives. It's going to mess up some natural families. It's going to mess them up. It's going to divide them. Because the cross is a double-edged sword. Because it's a fulfillment of the word of God. And in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, it says that the, the, the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It's able to divide soul and spirit, bone and marrow. The cross is what makes the difference. 
in this passage of scripture, we see a family and its secrets. Remember, we read that. It talked about doing in private those things. In verse 26, don't be afraid. What's done in, in the dark, I'll uncover in the light. We got people that run around, think they're living a secretive life. But one day God says, I'm going to pull the cover up and the whole world see it. Our families have secrets. We don't want our church family, our faith family to know really the condition that our children are in. Because we're scared because our faith families judge us on how we walk, how we talk, how high we raise our hand. Does it get up here? You know, I mean, do we raise a hand right here? We're, we're judged on human standards. I mean, do, do you bounce on one foot during worship? Do you do a little jig? I mean, what are you doing? We judge on human standards. We judge on human standards. And, and we think, man, i, I got to keep my hardship secret. I can't let my, my brothers and sisters in the church know that my daughter has moved into a homosexual lifestyle. I can't let them know that my son is addicted to drugs. I can't let them know the hardships that our families are going through because I am living a fake lifestyle. I'm here to tell you today the cross makes a difference. Jesus said I didn't call you to live a fake lifestyle. I didn't call you to live a life of ease and name it and claim it but what I called you to live was a life of victory. A life of victory. A life of victory. And victories can never come unless there's a hardship. I mean there's not one person that received a gold medal in the last Olympics who took it easily. They trained and they trained and they worked and their body hurt and it ached and it screamed quit and it screamed quit and it screamed quit. But they kept persevering. In this passage of scripture, we see a family and its secrets. We see a family and its fear. What's the fear that the secret will be exposed? And that bad things will happen. Bad things will happen. Last night, we, Brian and Lana live right down the street from me, and so we walked to their house, and we were walking back, and Kim and Tony said, do you want us to follow you home? Boy, y'all should have. It was a journey. I mean, we're approaching the next intersection. All of a sudden, I hear, boom! A car hits one of the parked vehicles on the street and takes off. And I got the baby carriage. And I'm like, oh, no, they didn't. I'm going to get their license plate. And I take off, and I'm running. And I got the baby carriage. And Christy's saying, leave the baby, leave the baby, leave the baby. <laughs> but get all that settled. We walk a few more houses down. Here comes another cop. And another cop, another cop. I mean, they get out with flashlights and they're hunkering down in people's yards. I'm like, what in the world's going on? I said, baby, we got to get out more often. <laughs> what it means is that we live in a broken world and there's crazy stuff going on. And there's secrets. Well, I tell you what, if it had been my vehicle they hit, I'd have tracked him down. Because number one, he blew out a tire. And number two, he busted some fluid and he looked like a lung shot deer all the way down the street. I was ready to track him, but he didn't want to. It's those secrets. We want to hide those things. I know, nobody knows about this. And then we take those secrets into some church of our affiliation and we say, oh, God, you're so great. Oh, God, you're so great. And then somebody we know that works with sees us saying, oh, God, you're so great. And they're like, really? You got a messed up life. 
wait a minute, I know who you really are. You remember last week I told you the transformation, the pivotal point in my life was when my friend whose life was really hijacked by the devil, I couldn't tell him about hope in Jesus Christ because of the life that I was living. That was a turning point in my life. I knew the answer, but I couldn't share it because I knew he would look at me and say, wait a minute, dude. I mean, dude, me and you stop every day and we pick us up a beer and we drink it on the way home. What do you mean? I know your life. I know your lifestyle. See, we want, we, want the, we want Christianity. We want a sterile cross. We want it to look good. I had dinner on Friday night with somebody. And I was sitting there. He had a cross ring. And I said, man, that's a cool cross ring. He said, yeah. It's a James Avery. I said, hey, man, cool. I got a James Avery too. We compared crosses, and they just look so pretty. See, we want a sterile cross. We want a cross without sacrifice. We want a cross that doesn't bring division. We want a cross that is filled with comfort. You know, Lord, I, I want to I serve you, Lord, but I don't want to let go of this. Lord, can I just take Jesus and put him over here with everything else? Lord, I, I just want a cross. That's easy. I, I want a cross that's not hard to bear. Lord, I want a pretty cross. Amen? I mean, how many of you got cross jewelry in here today? Let me see your hand. Amen. I bet it looks good, don't it? Amen. I mean, don't be ashamed. It's okay. But for so many people, Christianity... With the cross, it's just been a comfort. I mean, we want something that looks good. I mean, this looks like a cross, don't it? If you picture a cross, you I mean you'd want it to look good. And you know the problem with most people, and there's some of you in here today that's struggling with this, that you have not you you would give your heart to Jesus today if you had figured out how to live. Behind the cross. I mean you know the Holy Spirit's dealing with you. But you have just not figured out. How do I live on the back side of the cross. How do I live with a cross between me and the world. I'm not talking about one on your neck. One on your finger. And one hanging from your ears. I'm talking about. How do you live with a cross between you and the world. That when the world looks at you. They see a cross. And because we hadn't figured that out, we like to find us a pretty cross, a decorative cross. And we like to live in front of the cross. Because if we live in front of the cross, there's no division, there's no distinction. And I can keep everything the same. And I don't have to change. I don't have to live any differently. And so I just take my good-looking cross and say, Lord Jesus, I'd gladly take up this cross and follow you. As long as I can stay on the front side of it. Now, can I tell you today, Jesus is not interested in you being on the front side of the cross because that's his spot. Can I say that again? Jesus is not interested in you being on the front side of the cross because Christ, God, made him who knew no sin to be sin that you might become the righteous son of 
God. I'm telling you today on the authority of the Word of God, God's not interested in you going to the cross because His Son already went to the cross for you. He died as you. I'm telling you when we were good for nothing, when we were down and out, when we were hijacked by the hound dogs of hell and there was nowhere to turn, Jesus looked ahead in time and said, I'll die for that boy. I'll die for that girl. I'll take their place. God's not interested in you. Jesus is not interested in you having the cross between you and the world. I mean, you between the cross and the world. He needs the cross between the world and you. I preached in a church one time, and there was a cross that stood right here. Pulpit was here, cross was here, and went all the way up into the ceiling. Somebody said, wasn't that hard to, to deal with? For the people, it was like in the way. I said, yep, it was in the way. Every, every message, every wedding, everything that took place, took place behind the cross. Sometimes I just long to hear that old song. That old song, there is a fountain filled with blood. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And there may I. So vile as that dying thief on the cross. Can put all my sins away. See the cross brings a sword. If you take up lordship. But this isn't what Christ is looking for. I know it looks good. And you know, I mean, I have a cross. I love my cross. I'm not getting rid of my cross ring. I'm not telling you to trade yours in. I'm not saying any of that. But do you really realize this is the equivalent of wearing an electric chamber, uh, electric chair around your neck today? Or a, a, a needle. It, would, it would, would kill them. That's what it was. It was an executionary form of equipment. Has the cross brought about division in your life? If it hasn't, chances are you're not living on the right side of it. Jesus said, guys, I didn't come to bring peace to families. I come to bring a sword. I come to cut off the living from the dead. The living from the dead. You know what he's looking for? He's looking for a cross of sacrifice. He's looking for a cross of hardship. <clears throat> he's looking for a cross of adversity. <clears throat> but most of all, He's looking for a cross of lordship. A cross of lordship. Jesus says, if any man wants to come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. Lordship. Isn't this an ugly cross? cross is supposed to be ugly lordship is the cross denying yourself taking up your cross and following him is lordship saying lord I'm going to serve you even if my family excommunicates me lord I'm going to serve you even if my family doesn't agree with the church I'm going to. 
Look, you're not looking for a country club to get your families to be member, members of. You're looking for Lord. Christ is looking for lordship. You're looking for a transformed life. How do you get all of this? How do you find it? You have to lose it. And say, Lord, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross. I'll claim. Lordship. Lordship. That's a legacy. I'm going to tell you something. What's important is not what you leave to your kids, but what you leave in your kids. Lordship. Lordship. Heritage. Heritage. There's a man and woman in this church. Every time I talk to their son, they tell me how much their parents love Jesus and how true they are. And every time I leave him, I think, that's legacy. That's legacy. That is legacy. Jesus says, guys, I didn't come to bring peace. I come to bring a sword. Now, I'm going to tell you today, if you're living on the back side of the cross, it's messy. Because between you and the world is a cross with all your sins, all your hang-ups. And Jesus says, the person who loves their mother and father more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Anyone finding his life will lose it. Anyone losing his life will find it. And here's the victory. Here's the victory. We have saw a family in their secrets, a family in its fears, a family in its challenges. But a family in its victory is in verse 37 through 42. In verse 40 especially, the one who welcomes me, the one who welcomes you, welcomes me. And the one who welcomes me, welcomes God, the one who sent me. And anyone who receives, anyone who welcomes a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Anyone who welcomes a righteous one's righteous person because of his rewards will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives just a cup of cold water to you, to my little ones, because they're disciples, I assure you they'll never lose their reward. The family and its victories is the family that between the world and the family stands across. I'm not talking about Christian philosophy. I'm not talking about the foolishness of men. I'm talking about lordship. If you were on a mission to buy a cross for your yard or your home, which one would you pick up? That one. This thing's rickety. It's ugly. Boy, isn't this pretty. Isn't this pretty? Isn't it a beauty? But today, what some of us need to do is come over to this beautiful cross 
Say, I'm going to take my comfort zone. And I'm going to nail it to his cross. I'm going to nail it. I'm going to put it under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Some of you college students, I'm so proud of you. Man, I see some of the things you're tweeting up a storm about. You made me so happy. Some of the things you're posting. It exudes lordship. Can I ask you a question today? Don't be offended when you run across a hypocrite. They just doing what they know to do. They just hadn't fully embrace lordship it's our job to love them to love them to a legacy that makes a difference can I ask you a question today with your head bowed with your head bowed I don't want you to raise your hand but are you, how many of you would say, I'm living in front of the cross? And I've never moved to live behind it. Pastor, I just don't know how to live behind the cross. Maybe you're here today, like I was preaching earlier. You'd accept Jesus today if you knew how to live behind it. You just don't know what to do with 20 years of. Of, of friends, 20 years of, of, of co-workers, 20 years of relationships, 40 years of relationships, 60 years of relationships. Listen, God's not calling you to alienate yourself from them. He's not calling for you to go over there with your King James 1611 Bible and beat them over the head and say turn or burn. God's calling you to love them. God's not calling you to divorce yourself from them. Now, they may divorce your, themselves from you, but you never divorce yourself from them. Because God wants to use you to win them. To win those who are the closest to you. To win those who are, the, who are in the next town after that. And the next town after that. Our pastor in another country who lives in poverty basically emailed me and said, Pastor, I'm praying for y'all. Because your country's in a mess. Now, you, you know the president of his country is a, is a, is a well-known socialist. His dad is kind of in the mafia. And his brother is, has, has committed acts of terrorism. But he emailed me and said, I'm praying for you and your country. Can I ask you this question with your head, while your head's bowed? Jesus said in this verse... If you'll deny me before men, I'm going to deny you in heaven. Now, I'm not making that up. That's not my message. That's the word of God. But he said, if you'll confess me in front of men, I'll confess you in heaven. And there's some of you, like, you just need to do that today. You just need to give your heart to Jesus and say, 
I'm going to be born again today. But then there are some of you today. I mean, you've tried in your best ability to do this Jesus thing. But you've just never figured out how to live on the backside of the cross. And today, you need to move. You need to move from living in front of the cross to behind it. If that's you, I just want you to get up right where you are. Come on down here. Come on. Somebody's going to be here to pray with you. This altar's open if you want to pray by yourself. Whatever you need to do, if that's you, you need to do business with the Lord today. I just want you to get up right now and come on down here. Come on. Thank you, young man. If you're not moving, just be praying right where you are. Amen. We'll have somebody here to pray with you. You just tell them which one of those things you need to do. Which cross? I mean, do you do you need to go ahead and be saved or you've been trying to do it and you just need to figure out how to do it? I mean, do you need to get behind the cross? Where are you? Let, let's just cut to the chase and say, here's what I need and we're going to pray for you. We're going to believe God for a miracle in your life. Maybe you just want to pray by yourself. If you do, just tell our pastors here, our people that's helping, just say, I, I just need to pray by myself. Well, why don't you come right now? People's moving. Come on, how about you, ma'am? Well, there's men down here on their face. How about you, ladies? He's drawing you right now. Won't you come right now? Won't you come? Say, Pastor, I just need to live on the back side of the cross. I just need to live on the back side of the cross. Won't you come right now? You've never given your heart to him. You've never given your heart to him. Right now, won't you come? Won't you come? Let us know what needs to happen. He's drawing you. Which cross? Which cross, church? How about you, ladies? Man, there's men all around this altar doing business with the Lord. Do you need to do business with God today? Come on, let's do it right now. I'm not going to try to manipulate you. I'm just going to tell you, this is your opportunity. It's your time. I'm not going to twist your arm. If you want to serve Jesus right now, get up and say, I am unashamed and I am willing to follow him. I'm willing for my peers to know it. I'm willing for my church family to know it. I mean, follow him. Won't you come right now? Won't you come? How about you? If you're not moving, please be praying. Please be interceding. Maybe you just want to sit at his feet right now. You can do that. It's okay. You can do that here. Won't you come? Maybe there's some parents here. Maybe there's some friends here that you've got people that you love so much. Their life has been hijacked by the forces of darkness. 
Maybe you want to come get somebody by the hand and say, let's pray for, let's pray for John. Let's pray for Susie. Let's pray for Billy, whoever it is. Come to this altar and begin to bombard the gates of heaven and say, Lord, hell will not be victorious in their life. We're believing you for the miracle right now. This is your invitation today. Maybe you want to come to this altar and say, Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for the lordship. Thank you for the division. Thank you for the things that you cut off. Lord, thank you that between me and the world, there's a cross. And for the world to get to me, they got to go through the cross. And I'm telling you today, God wants to bring victory to your life. softly while these are doing business with the Lord today God's drawing you all his spirits moving and touching hearts and lives I was so proud of one of our guys the other day I called and got his voicemail and you know what it said I've changed my life I've changed my life if you're not part of the problem, I'll call you back. Leave a message. <laughs> That's good stuff. That's good stuff. God wants to do a work in you. God loves you so much. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for you. Between you and the world, is there a cross? If it is, then it's the source 
of your strength. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean you're not going to have bad days. It doesn't mean you're not going to be overwhelmed at times. But what it does mean is that when you can't seem to move forward, you have a friend that will stick closer than a brother. He will be your ever-present help in your time of need. We just need Jesus to be Jesus in our life and give it all to Him. Give it all to Him. Will it be comfortable? No, it won't be. It's not going to be comfortable. That's why you got to put that comfort zone on the cross. But it will be glorious. It will be glorious. God's calling us out. He doesn't need for you to live for Him privately. He needs for you to live for Him publicly. I remember this. I'm going to share this story. and We'll just see what the Lord says. A mentor of mine, Bill Stafford, was going to Ireland with some pastors to do a pastor's conference. and He was on the airplane next to this lady. They began to talk, and he ended up leading her to Christ. And he said, now here's the first thing you need to do. You need to stand up right now and tell everybody on this airplane, say, can I have your attention? I just gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And she's like, I can't, I can't do that. That's, that's crazy. I can't do that. He said, you got to. You, you, just confess him. But he showed her the scripture and said, just confess Jesus publicly. And boy, she, he said, I'm right here. He said, hey, no, I'll get you. He said, I'm not, it'll be okay. I mean, they may think you're crazy, but it, I mean, will you ever see them again? Really? Does it matter? And so she stood up and said, can I have your attention? I just gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And the whole back of the plane stood up and started applauding. I mean, just hallelujah, just having a Holy Ghost fit. And when it all subsided and she sat down, he said, what I failed to tell you was, all those guys were with me. <laughs> God wants you to be unashamed. He just wants you to be unashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Who's calling you a fool? <laughs> The fool that would live for a passing pleasure of sin and die and spend an eternity separated from the love of God. Mm. Praise the Lord. Hadn't it been great to be here today? Bask in His presence. Let Him speak to your heart and your life. Amen. Decisions were made all over this building. Guys and girls doing business with the Lord. That's good stuff. That's what church is all about. It's about a family. I've got good news, but you've got to come next week to hear it. I'll leave you with this thought, though. It's a teaser. When you, when you feel like you made a decision for Christ and your family has kind of backed away from you after they couldn't convince you, 
that you, when you left the faith of, of the family. And you know what I'm talking about. You know, I mean, you tell your family you're coming here, first thing they say is what? What kind of church is that? That's kind of like a Heinz 57 dog. It's a little bit of everything. We just, we bring all of our past and lay it at the foot of the cross and move forward from there. And when you find yourself feeling like you're separated from the family, here's what Jesus said. His mothers and brothers and sisters came. His mother, brothers, and sisters came and said, we need to see Jesus. Go tell him. And Jesus looked at them while he was teaching. He said, go tell them that whoever does the will of the Father is my brother and my sister and my family. My family. My family. When you let go to good, you grab hold of great. Well, it's been great to be here today. Let's stand to our feet. Thank the Lord. Ladies, thank y'all for being here, for singing, providential relationships, house church, good stuff. Good stuff this week. If you hadn't found a house church plug into, find one to plug into. Uh, good stuff happening. Uh, well, let's sing something exciting. We had good stuff happen here today, so let's, let's celebrate and... Uh, we're going to sing this, and you can be dismissed. Oh, uh, when you go out um, of the church, both doors, there, let me see one. There will be the, uh, the uh, little 40-day prayer. Uh, starts Thursday, 40 days of prayer. Uh, 40 days significant in the Bible. You know what I've been, um, whether it was 40 days or 40 years, it's all significant. You know what, when, when the new president is being inaugurated, you know what it will be the 40 anniversary of? 40-year anniversary of Roe versus Wade. We need God's power, God's presence. We need God to anoint and appoint his man for the hour. Amen? Hey, hey, wh one second. Come here, man. T tell me about yesterday. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so caught up in what God's doing here. I wanted to do that earlier. Let me borrow your mic there. All right. Uh, it's on. Just pull it up real close. All right. Uh, yesterday we had a uh, uh, Brothers Keepers motorcycle club that had a, uh, a function in Florine. They were raising money for the vets, uh, the home for the vets and all out of Houston and a couple of different things. But we had a good turnout. We, uh, the priesthood had went and participated with them, set up our tent. Uh, we got to minister to several guys and uh, we got to uh, uh, pray over the bikes and, and all these things. And uh, it was just a good good thing. We, we were just doing an outreach for God and, uh, and, uh, and it, it was a good turnout. But uh, my, what I really wanted to tell you, I was next Sunday is Biker Sunday here at church, and we are having uh, taco soup. And uh, so, in, if you know anybody that rides bikes, invite them. Anybody that wants to ride bikes, invite them. 